in our clock. And uh, uh, if we were as smart as God, we would be in 100% agreement with all of his plans. Amen. He never makes a mistake. Open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John chapter 14. John chapter number 14, and uh, that has a very familiar ring, I'm sure, to many of you this morning, because especially in those first few verses, uh, it's a subject that is dear to our heart when we think about our Lord's words of comfort to His disciples. John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. It'd be real easy to just stop right there and preach for the next 30 minutes, but there's more. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Our text this morning is found in verse number 6. There are many famous rooms in the world, but all pale in comparison to the upper room where Jesus met with his disciples shortly before he was crucified. What happened there is one of the most heart-touching stories in, in all of God's Word and throughout all of history. In fact, there's a song someone wrote many years ago called In the Upper Room. I have a copy of it here in the back of my Bible somewhere. In the upper room with Jesus. What an experience that must have been. Words cannot possibly capture what those disciples were feeling at that moment. And we can't read John chapter 13 through chapter 17 without being impressed by the greatness of our Lord's love for his followers This was the last meeting with his disciples before he was crucified. And during those hours together, he served them by by washing their feet. He ate with them, instituted the Lord's Supper, instructed them, encouraged them, and prayed for them. And he left no doubt about this fact which is the title of my message this morning, Jesus is the answer. He wanted them to know, I am the answer. Notice here in verse number 6 the statement that our Lord makes, and keep in mind this statement was made as an answer to a question that was asked by Thomas. Jesus had just stated uh, The fact that he was going away, he was going to prepare a place for his people. 
And Thomas is confused. He says, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Now, that might seem strange to you that a disciple would ask a question such as that, but there's a good reason for it. Although the disciples had trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, they did not fully understand His plans. And that, that stands to reason. They didn't know everything. You don't have to know everything to be a child of God. So there's a lot of things about His plans that they were not aware of. They thought, in fact, they hoped that He was going to set up an earthly kingdom. That's what they were looking forward to because they knew the Old Testament prophets had, had prophesied that the Messiah was going to set up a kingdom here on earth. And by the way, someday he is. He's going to do just that. But that was not his purpose in coming the first time. But they have that in their mind and they're just so far not willing to let that thought go. So they're confused when he speaks about leaving them as far as they know he might going to be going to some city and set up that kingdom so that's what prompted that's what prompted our lord's statement here now i want you to notice three things about the statement the lord makes here in verse 6 first of all is the need for it the need for it you can say what you will about Thomas. To this day, we refer to him as doubting Thomas, but at least he was asking questions. Make no mistake about it, the other disciples were just as confused as he was. They didn't know exactly what the, what the Lord had in mind. In fact, the Bible tells us that when Jesus announced that he was going to Jerusalem and taken by wicked hands and crucified. Peter literally laid hands on the Lord. He grabbed him and said, Not so, Lord. We're not going to allow that to happen to you. At that point, he didn't have a clue as to what was really going on. So give Thomas some credit. He is asking questions that would do all of us, I think, good to ask certain questions. That's what you do if you're planning on learning. Far too many people think they have all of the answers when they don't even really know what the pertinent questions are. And that's a serious problem when we think that we've got it all figured out and we don't. So Thomas is confused and he is basically admitting that and the Lord has a ready answer. But what about you this morning? Are there some important issues that you are confused about, things that you are concerned about. Believe me, God does not want us to live in confusion. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. The Bible is not trying to hide the truth from you. It's trying to declare the truth to you. And He wants us to understand the crucial questions in life he wants you to know where you came from a lot of folks never figured that out yet they think they came from a monkey swinging in a tree they have no idea where they came from how they got here the lord wants us to know not only where we came from he wants us to know why we're here why we exist on this earth what is our purpose 
And he wants us also to understand what he expects from us. He wants us to understand where we're going. Those are all questions. Why are you here? What does God expect? Where are you going? Those are questions the Bible answers. And if you're confused, it's all because you just simply haven't consulted God's word because he answers all of those crucial questions. And yet there are those that are so troubled, so worried, so fearful about the future. They live every day without any peace, without any real satisfaction. Oh, they seem to have everything they need, but they're miserable. But the good news is it doesn't have to be that way. Christ is the answer. Christ can answer all of those questions. He can meet every need Amen. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that we serve a Savior that not only is able, but willing. He's able to do exceeding abundant above all that we could ever ask or think, Paul said. It helps to have a God like that. Amen. So there was a need for this, for this explanation that our Lord gave, but I want you to notice not only the need of it, but the nature of it also, because here Christ is setting himself forth as God's answer to man's problem. And he says three things about himself. And I want you to look at these three things that he mentions, because in in stating this, he is simply telling us that he is the answer to the deepest needs in our life. To recognize what those needs are, we just have to look at the Word of God. He, he describes for us the condition, the cause, the consequences, and the cure of every need. Now notice each one. First of all, man is disoriented and Jesus says, I'm the way. Disoriented, but Jesus says, I am the way. And then notice, man is deceived. And Jesus says, I'm the truth. You don't have to worry about deception if you follow me. I am the truth. Not only is man disoriented and deceived, but man is dead spiritually. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you are dead. Dead. You say, well, preacher, I'm not dead. Well, physically you're not, but spiritually you are dead because death is separation and your spirit is separated from God. You're dead spiritually. Notice Jesus says, I am the life. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. He's the way. Because He's the way, you can be saved. Because He is the truth, you can be sure. Because He is the life, you can be satisfied. Without Him, regardless of what you have, regardless of what you do, you do not have what you need the most. He's the way. Without Him, there is no going. He's the truth. Without Him, there's no knowing. He is the life, and without Him, there's no living. Not real living. We just simply exist. We walk about here upon this cursed earth in a tabernacle of flesh and bone, just existing. 
We breathe in God's air. We eat God's food. We exist on this earth. But we don't really live. I'll never forget a woman many years ago that I, that I knew well. And just before she was saved, she said, uh, Brother Stone, she said, uh, she said, I just come to the conclusion there's got to be more to life than this. And that really resonated with me because that is exactly, exactly how I felt before I was saved. I can remember looking in a mirror, standing there with a hangover and looking at myself and again making promises that I knew that I couldn't keep, promising that I was going to be a better husband, a better father, a better person. And I thought to myself, there's got to be more to life than this. Got to be more to a person than just the body that you see reflected in a mirror. There's got to be something more than that. And I think, basically, that's what everybody knows because that's why we have so many religions. People are looking for something, something that will give purpose, something that will bring satisfaction. And the world over, people are looking but not finding until they find Jesus. So we see the need of this and the nature of it. But we need to think about the necessity of this. Notice what our Lord said. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is why it's essential that we understand what Jesus says. Because, listen, it's a matter of heaven or hell. Your eternal destiny is determined by your attitude concerning the facts stated here in our text. You can make it through life just fine without knowing a lot of things. We can make a long list of things that we don't know. That's all right. We don't need to have all of those answers, do we? You won't make it to heaven without Jesus. He said, no man cometh to the Father but by me. When I talk about receiving Christ... Understand that what I mean is receiving him as he is depicted in the Bible. There are many people in this world who would say that salvation is based upon Jesus. They would agree with that. If I said Jesus is the way to heaven, the Savior of this world, they would say, Amen, that's right, I agree. But then they depend upon something else. They add something to that. They would say that, yes, salvation is found in Jesus Christ, but then they would add baptism to the equation that you have to be baptized or you have to be a a, a church member or it, it might require good works. Well, surely every Christian ought to work, but works are not going to work when it comes to get you in heaven, works won't work. It takes more than that. It takes the grace of God. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. Now think about that. The Lord is making a statement that He knows is going to fly in the face of the world in general. 
based on history, based on observation, based on the Bible, it's fair to say that Christianity is despised. Have you ever, have you ever wondered why in the world that all of the other religions seem to get a free pass? There's no one criticizing other religions. People say, well, to each his own. Every person has got a right to believe what they want. And most people believe as long as they're sincere, they're all right. That's all that's required. You know, you've got your God, I've got my God. And so we're all, you know, we're all in the same boat. That, that's the way they think. But what is it that causes the world in general to hate, to despise us as Christians? What is it? This is it, folks. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but by me. This is a claim that He is the exclusive way to God. That being the case, then all of the religions of the world are useless. And not just useless, they're dangerous because they're giving you false information. They're giving you a hope that is not, not real. That's why the hardest people on earth to reach are those that have entertained false hopes. They're clinging to something. They're clinging to their religion and it's never enough. You know, people wouldn't mind if you said Jesus is one of the ways to God. They wouldn't, wouldn't mind that at all. As long as you leave the door open for others to choose their way to God. Nobody would persecute you for that. You know, you say, well, uh, I've examined all of the different religions of the world and I, I've, I've just decided that I think I'll, uh, I'll pitch my tent with Christianity. Fine. No problem at all. But boy, you say Jesus is the only way to heaven and they get angry. Now, there's one thing for certain. Jesus was either right or wrong. Wouldn't you agree with that? There's no middle of the road here. He's either right or he is wrong. Everybody has to agree with that. Now, if Jesus was wrong, imagine that for a moment. We know it's not true, but just imagine that. Imagine then that Jesus was wrong about what he said. That being the case, there would be no validity to anything else he said. In other words, Christianity would be a sham. And you think about all of the promises that he has made. Here they are in the upper room with him. He has just told them that I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified and so forth. I'm going to leave you. You're going to be hated. You're going to be despised. Now remember, these are men that have left all to follow him. I mean, they've made a total commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've left all to follow him. And now he's about to leave. And you've got to believe they're wondering what in the world are we going to do? How are we going to survive without Him in this world? And all of those promises would have been in vain. When He says, let not your heart be troubled. Notice that word let. In other words, that we have a choice in this matter. You know, we can go through life with a troubled heart and insecure feelings and just live in morbidity all of our lives. Or... 
we can believe that that he is that that God who never fails and trusts him to meet our deepest need. That's what he's trying to get across to them. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he extends it. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. You see, that you couldn't put any... You couldn't put any confidence in that statement if Jesus lied about being the exclusive way to heaven. And when he says, in my Father's house there are many mansions, you you couldn't really believe that you've got a place in heaven. You couldn't have any assurance that you're going to heaven when you die. And wouldn't it be awful to live every day of your life not knowing whether you'll go to heaven or not? I don't know how you bear up under that heavy load. But there would be no validity to the Lord's statement about that if if he was wrong about being the exclusive way to heaven. Well, thank God he was right. Amen. Amen. There is no other way. And that tells us that all of the other religions of the world are useless. Absolutely worthless. Jesus is the way, but listen, he's not merely a way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. And he's not just the way to heaven for some. He's the way to heaven for all. For everybody. And he's the way to heaven for all time. Not just some ancient time back in the days of the disciples. But he's the way to heaven today. He'll be the way to heaven tomorrow. He is the way. And he's also the end. He's the end. In other words, all things are going to come to a glorious conclusion in the end. He's the first and the last. The beginning, the end, the alpha and the omega. He's everything in all of history is narrowing down to a point when that final day comes that King Jesus shall rule and reign upon this earth and we as joint heirs with Jesus Christ will rule and reign with Him. He's the end. That's why we need not worry and fret about what's beyond the grave because we already know that the best is yet to come. In light of those three wonderful facts, He's the way, He's the truth, and He's the life, I want you to think about this. Number one, Jesus pleads for you to come to Him because He's the way. And so, he listen, He is pleading. Whenever the book of Revelation comes to, the, to, to a close, it says... And the Spirit and the Bride, the Holy Spirit and the Bride, that is the Lord's church, says, come. There's this glorious invitation that whosoever will may come. Now, you'd think it'd be the other way around, wouldn't you? I mean, you wouldn't think about the Lord in all of His perfection pleading for sinful people to come to him you would think the sinful people would be pleading with the lord please allow us to come to you 
But instead, he is the one that is pleading with us. When we think about our exceeding sinfulness, isn't it amazing that that he has a desire to have a relationship with us? Boy, whenever I think about Adam and Eve there in this perfect environment, everything designed by a perfect creator, everything designed to give man his deepest satisfaction, And that day that they rebelled against God, they chose to believe the lie of the devil instead and sinned against God. It seemed that it would have been so very easy for God to have said, I'm through with this mess. I'll just blow this place up and create another earth. They don't want anything to do with me. I'll create some people that are willing to follow me. But God didn't do that. God looked down from the glories of heaven upon sinful man and said, I love them too much to allow this to end that way. And God devised a plan yonder in the portals of glory where he devised a plan that he himself would condescend to earth in the form of a man, live a perfect life, qualifying as a perfect sacrifice, and then allow himself to be nailed to an old rugged cross that he could save us from our sinfulness. Thank God for that. And the fact that if you're here this morning, understand it's not just me as a preacher pleading with you to come to Christ. It is the Lord that is pleading with you. The second fact based on all of this is not only is the Lord pleading for you to come to Him, but the Lord promises that He will receive you. And He's the truth. He's the truth. He's pleading for you to come because He's the way, but He promises He'll receive you. And He's the truth. He, he never lies about, about anything. In fact, he tells us, Whosoever shall come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I'm, I'm glad that, that I serve a God that is not only able to do what he promised, but one that will do what he promised. One that we can depend upon. Thank God for that. When you go through life, there are going to be a lot of times that people will disappoint you, even harm you as a result of not keeping their word. But whenever, when you come to the word of God and hear Jesus say, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, you can bank on that. You can bank on that. If it's eternal today and I lose it tomorrow, it wouldn't have been eternal yesterday. And he said, I'm giving you eternal life. Thank God that he's willing to receive us. He has promised to receive us. Doesn't make any difference who you are, what you've done, or anything else. If you come to him in simple childlike faith, he's willing to receive you. He's the truth. He promised. And then thirdly, Jesus provides what we need because he's the life. And that's what we need. If you took a survey this morning and just asked people to give a list of their various needs, you'd, well, you'd have all kinds of things on there. 
I need a better job. I need more money. I need to lose weight. I need this. I need that. We got 40, 11 different things that we think that we need. But regardless of the severity of your need, have people that are praying that they'll be healed of cancer and healed of their heart disease and their marriage put back together and all of those things. But head and shoulders above all of those other needs is the need of salvation. The need for eternal life. And that is exactly what the Lord promised. That's exactly what He will provide. So here we see a picture of Jesus as the wonderful way the tremendous truth, the lasting life. He's what every person needs. He's what you need and what you need more than anything else in life. Will you come to him this morning? Oh, you don't have to climb a mountain. You don't have to swim the widest sea. You don't have to give every dollar in your bank account. All you have to do is just come to Him in simple childlike faith, admitting that you are a sinner in need of salvation and trusting in His shed blood to save you from your sins. And you can leave here today with the assurance of heaven in your heart, knowing that you're on the right track. Jesus is simply saying to them, folks, I'm the answer. He promised and He proved that He is the way. Now here's the problem. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. That describes exactly what is wrong with the world today. Man chooses to go his way instead of God's way, which is Christ. He's the way. You can't take the wrong road and end up in the right place. Jesus says, I am the way. He's the way to forgiveness. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that all of your sins have been forgiven? You know, I wouldn't have blamed, I wouldn't have blamed Bev. I wouldn't have blamed my parents. I wouldn't have blamed my sister or anyone else if they had said, Oh, I know you've got religion now and I know you think you're all right and you think you're going to heaven, but I'll, tell you, I'll never forgive you for what you did. I, I, you know, I, I did things as a vile sinner that, you know, I couldn't expect anybody to forgive me. And most of all, I, could, I, I couldn't expect God to, but, but He drove home that glorious truth that God commendeth His love toward us in that while, while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was the verse that broke my heart and brought me to Jesus to realize that He is willing to accept me, to forgive me anyway. He's the way to forgiveness. He's the way to deliverance. He's the way to get you out of the bar rooms. He's the way to change your life, to deliver you from the bondage of your sin. He's the way to acceptance. Paul said that we are accepted in the Beloved. In other words, Jesus is the only means whereby that God is willing to accept us. He's the way to hope. Isn't it wonderful to have hope? Hope and to have peace. 
and joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. He's the way to change. He's the way to purpose in life to where you're no longer just existing, but where you get up every day. You know where you came from. You know why you're here. You know what God expects. You know what your purpose in life is. That's That, my friend, is something worth living for. And that something is someone... And that's Jesus who's the answer. Would you all stand with us, please? Father, thank you so very much for revealing to us the truth that we can know of a certainty that our life is on the right road because we have chosen to go the way, the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the eternal life that you've given to us as a gift of your grace. And we're so grateful that because of that, because of the blessed assurance that we have, that we can live every day with this wonderful peace in our heart. And whenever our time to leave this old world finally comes, that we know that it'll be promotion day, that the best will have come. And that we'll live throughout the ages of eternity in the presence of the one who loved us and died for us. Lord, I pray that you'll convict those that are lost and bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. And may those of us that have been saved, may we leave here today rejoicing in in what a great Savior we have in Jesus. For we beg it in his dear name. Amen. Now, while we stand and as we sing together, would you come this morning? Whatever it is that God would have you to do, this this is the time to do it. Come on, right now.